0: hope it is so good to see all of you here in the room. I just hope you feel as good as you look because you look fantastic. And I want to welcome everyone who has joined us online as well. I know when I was online watching the messages, I would find a cool spot in my home with a hot cup of coffee and I felt like I was in the room. So I hope you feel that way too. My name is Ronnie and I'm a member of the team here at one hope I serve here and it is such a Privilege to be able to share God's word with you today. So thank you for being here and pastor Josh I just want to thank you for the ability to let me come up here on stage and the confidence and I also want to thank you for the way you've led one hope through this season not just from the beginning You have led, when we couldn't meet here, in a couple of days when we found out we couldn't meet in person, we were instantly online. And then through the last several months, you and Amber have connected, stayed connected with the church personally. You have reached out into our community and provided for needs in our community. And you have continued to just lead well through this whole season. So thank you. Well, we are right in the middle of our series, I Need an Answer. How many times have you ever said that in your life? During this year, this morning, I need an answer. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, the answer is God. Now, you may be thinking what my math teacher used to say. Okay, you've got the right answer, now show me your work. Well, good news. The work's been done for you. It's been done for me because we have the work all throughout the Bible. So if you've got a pencil and paper right now, you can jot down some of these scriptures that I'm going to share. And if you don't, grab your device. Use your phone in church. Go to onehopechurch.com. Download our message notes and you can follow along with me and have those notes for later on during the week when you want to connect with them. So the theme verse of this whole series is found in Ephesians 6.18. It says, pray in the spirit in every situation. Use every kind of prayer and request there is. Every situation, that's unlimited opportunities to pray. With every kind of prayer there is. But even though we're given these instructions, have you ever felt like me and felt like you were going through the motions? Maybe praying the same type of prayer? I did that many times, but one time when my daughter was, my oldest was just a toddler, I would pray with her. I would pray all the time with her. We would pray before every meal. I would sit her in her high chair. I'd put her food on her tray. I'd say, be careful, don't spill it, it's hot, let's pray. And we'd pray, and I'd say, okay, now we can eat. Well, one day, I went through the whole motion of that. I said, come on, let's pray. She said, why? It's a sandwich, it's not hot. And I thought, she thinks we're praying for the food to cool off. I didn't even realize that. I had taught her the how, the when, the where to pray, never taught her the why. What I love about this series, about this message, is that we were going to go through the Bible, we were going to use prayers found in scripture that remind us of how to pray, when to pray, where to pray, why to pray. And that's why I just love this, this whole series. A couple of weeks ago, we went through the tabernacle prayer, prayers based upon the building of the tabernacle where steps took us closer to God. Last week, we went over the prayer of Jabez, a prayer that's been preserved in Scripture, a prayer one man prayed and shows us how he moved from pain to promise. Today, we're going to look at the prayer of the New Testament church. And we're going to see the effect that that prayer had on, on a lot of people. Now, let's look at James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective prayer. Fervent prayer. Prayer that works. Prayer that's at work fervent prayer, serious prayer, intentional prayer, intense prayer, prayer that accomplishes many, many things. I want everything in my life to be effective. I want everything I own to be effective. My kids gave me one of those automatic vacuum cleaners, and I love it. I wanted it. I love it. Except when I'm away from home and I get this message that it's stuck near the edge of a cliff. And I think, well, that's weird. I don't even have a cliff in my home. That's a little dramatic. And I get home, and I find that it's up against a rock. So I give it a little push, give it a little nudge, and it goes on working, doing what it's supposed to do. Well, your prayers, I don't believe, are stuck near the edge of a cliff. I believe sometimes we just need a little nudge, and today's lesson is going to give you what you need to get your prayers being effective again. Because Martin Luther said, prayer is a strong wall and a fortress for the church. It is the most effective Christian weapon. We're going to look at the effects of the New Testament prayer in the life of Peter. I'd like us to look at Acts 12. We're going to go through this story, and I'm going to read it with you. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with the approval of the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for a public trial after the Passover, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Okay, let's get this picture. People are being arrested and persecuted. James has been executed. Peter's now on death row. Did the church think they were near the edge of a cliff? Oh, no. They nudged each other and they began praying earnestly. One translation said they began praying unceasingly. Continual prayer was being offered up for Peter. Let's see what happened. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Okay, I don't know if I had been, would have been sleeping in that position. But you know what I thought? I just always love to pour grace over everything. I thought, who knows what Peter went through. Things beyond his control had happened to him. And somehow, he found peace in the midst of that situation. And he was able to sleep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. That didn't even wake Peter up. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Turn to somebody and say, God breaks chains. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Peter didn't even think it was real. He thought he was maybe in the middle of a dream. Did you ever dream something that was so good you didn't want to wake up? Yeah, my daughter Elise has this recurring dream that she's in the store and the shelves are filled with Lysol wipes and you can buy unlimited quantities. She has it all the time. This dream was better than Elise's dream. Peter's dreaming that he's leaving prison. Let's keep going on and see what happened. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Who knows God opened that gate? And they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself. He was left to himself, and he came to himself. And he said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Peter realized a block down the road that, he, that all this had happened to him. Sometimes you don't realize what God has done until you're a little bit farther along in your story. Sometimes you turn around and you say, oh, that was God that did that. Oh, God sent that person to my life. Oh, God caused that job to call me. Oh, it was God that opened that door, but that's okay. It's not bad to look back and look what God has done. And you know what's interesting to me is that God did in this story what only God could do. Only God breaks chains. Only God leads you past the enemy without them even knowing. Only God opens gates. God did for Peter what only God could do. However, God didn't do for Peter what Peter could do for himself. Peter had to wake up. Peter had to get dressed. Peter had to walk through that gate. Sometimes we have to walk through things as God leads us. So Peter is out. Peter is released. And let's see what happened. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They started praying in verse five, when Peter got arrested, and here we are, they're still praying. They prayed continually. They prayed effectively. They were consistent with their prayer life. I think they had long moved from a prayer list to a prayer life, which is what my goal is. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's She just needed to hear his voice and she knew it was him and she believed it was him. And look what the people told her. You're out of your mind, they told her. I mean, we're here praying for him. He's in prison. He's not at the door. We're praying for him to get out of prison. He can't be at the door. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, well, it must be his angel. I just, that just tickles me. They thought, they had enough faith to think it was his angel, but not that it could really be him. But it also comforts me and I'll tell you why because I pray big prayers if I'm gonna pray they're gonna be big I pray for big things that doesn't sometimes mean that I don't have a second of could it happen now I get back to praying but I have to be honest sometimes I think is it really gonna happen Their doubt, their momentary lapse, not believing that was Peter, that did not nullify their prayers. When you have a tiniest bit of doubt, you just jump right over that and you keep on praying. And Peter kept on knocking. Now, if I'm Peter, I'm thinking, I got out of jail, chains broke, that God opened the gate and I can't even get in this house? What kind of security system do they have here? he kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were amazed. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. And in the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. God wants us to pray prayers that will break chains, open doors, rescue people, and bring freedom to the people around us. And do you ever sometimes feel like you're in prison yourself? Sickness can feel like a prison. Job loss, financial situations, they can sometimes seem like a prison. Depression can seem like a prison. And if I were to be honest, I would say that as, at times, I myself have made decisions that have seemed to put me in a prison of fear. Some people have made decisions and allowed bad habits to downward spiral into addiction. I wanna tell you that I don't care who built the bars or who's guarding the gate. There's a God who can and wants to deliver you from any situation you find yourself into, any situation. (laughs) Pressure and pain sometimes create moments that drive us to prayer. And if your needs drive you to your knees, you stay there and you pray and you believe God for the things that only he can do. And if there's anything that you can do about it, well, let me tell you, you get up, you get dressed, and you get out of the situations that are not healthy, but you remain focused on the God who wants to break chains and bring freedom to your life. God wants to meet you where you are. He is very near to the broken hearted. The psalmist said, Psalm 18, 6, In my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears, from your voice to God's ears. What more could you want? And not only does God want to answer your prayers, like the story of Peter, which is here for our example, he wants to over answer your prayers, he wants to bless you beyond what you can even ask or imagine. I was 33 years old when the doctors told me that I had acute leukemia. I had four young kids at home, I had a 20% chance of going into remission, and if I did, I had a 20% chance of being there after a year. We prayed. I prayed. God, do something in me so wonderful that only you can get the glory. And then things got worse, and I continued to pray. God, do something so wonderful in me that only you can get the glory. And two months after chemotherapy, I found that I was pregnant, and I gave birth to my fifth child, a little girl we named Victoria Grace, because her story gives glory to God. Because what God brought me through, the over answer to my prayers, only is to the glory of God. God wants to answer your prayers in such a way that only he will receive the glory. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything you can ask or imagine. He is able. Ask him now. And so how do we do that? How do we pray effective, earnest prayers. Number one, let's start passionately. Let's put our whole heart into our prayers. It's what Jesus did Hebrews 5, 7 through 9 says that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Oh, bowing your knee to God is the first step to effective prayer. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Put everything you have into your prayers. Sometimes I pray out loud. Every now and then I pray quietly, but I like to pray out loud. A lot of times I walk, sometimes I sing. Nobody listens to me, I know, but sometimes I sing. I've had five kids. And I don't have a, I have a low tolerance for pain. I'll just tell you right now. And I'm going to spare you the details of their birth. But let's say that pain is a scale of zero to 10. This was me during childbirth. Then I had a kidney stone. And if pain is on a scale of zero to 10, here was me during a kidney stone. And it hurt me so much that I wouldn't cry. Because cry meant movement. And crying made it worse. So I would just lay there and say the name of Jesus. I have been through emotional pain, and you probably have too, that has hurt so much that I couldn't even pray, that I couldn't walk, that all I could do was lay down and whisper the name of Jesus. Is that a prayer? Oh, yes, it is. That is when you become the prayer, and that is when God meets you right there very near to your broken heart and brings healing and comfort to you. Pray passionately. Number two, be persistent. Never give up. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Even when the situation gets worse, don't give up. Even when you feel like giving up, don't give up. Continue to pray. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter where you find yourself or the experience you're in, don't give up. Jonah didn't. In In the Old Testament, Jonah was told to go one way and he went the opposite way from where God told him to go. Then he got on a boat and the storm came up. He told the sailors, it's my fault, I'm running from God. Throw me overboard. They did. And then a big fish swallowed him. Jonah still didn't give up. Jonah 2.1 says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Your experiences, your environment do not have to hinder your prayer. And right now, I just want to say that if there's a prayer you're thinking about right now that you gave up on, I want you to dust that prayer off and keep praying that prayer. It is not time to give up on anyone or on anything. Number three, seek partnership. Find someone who is going to grab your hands and pray with you. Find someone who is going to lead you to the word of God and show you strategies of prayer. Find someone who will listen to your heart and cry with you, laugh with you, pray with you. You're like, where do I find someone like that? Small groups. Our small groups launch in two weeks. I have been in small groups for years, and I have stories after stories of the people who have been in my life who have helped me draw closer to God. You need to find a small group. And if you feel like, well, I'm doing okay. I mean, you know, I've been through some things, but I've come out of them, and I'm doing fine. Well, you need to lead a small group. Because God doesn't comfort you so you can be comfortable. He wants you to turn around and comfort somebody else. Everybody here is in one of two uh, categories. You either need a small group or you need to lead a small group. This is going to be our best semester ever. And in just two weeks, you'll have access to all the small groups, both in person and online. And you'll be able to find and become a part of a community that will help you to grow closer to God. Lastly, I want you to find the person of Jesus. Oh, let me go of this scripture. I forgot the scripture about small groups. I was so excited, I forgot to give you the scripture. Matthew 18, 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now number four. Find the person of Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus we say the name of Jesus. Everything we do is because our relationship is with Jesus. A couple of years ago, my husband and I moved to a different house. And after we were there a few weeks, my daughter called and said, hey, when, let me know when you get home. I need the key to the cabana. I need to get in there. It's a different room from our house. And I said, well, you have the key to that. We gave you a key to the house. It fits that room also. She said, oh. Okay, She goes, well, still let me know when you get home because I need a key to the shed. I want to store some of my stuff in there. She's married and has three kids. This is Monique who thought we prayed for her fish sticks to cool off, that one. <laughs> I know, I know. And so she said, I need the key to the shed because I want to store some of my stuff in there. I said, okay, you have a key to the shed. You have a key to my house, the cabana and the shed. Daddy keyed it all together before we moved in. She goes, well, that was smart of him. I said, I thought so. She said, well, still, I need to know when you get home because I need a key to the lock of the gate of the backyard. You know what I told her. You have a key to the lock of the gate to the backyard. It's the same key. Your father gave you a key to it all. You're our child. What would we withhold from you? Jesus is the key to everything he is the way the truth the life no one comes to the father but by him but because of him we can boldly access the throne of god and find mercy and grace in our time of need jesus is the key John 14 13 says and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. All the promises of God are yes and amen through him. Philippians 2 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father all the promises of God, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him and best of all Acts 4.12 salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved Jesus is the key to everything and when we apply these four areas to our prayer lives we can say and we would we should proclaim every day say it with me my effective prayer life can overcome all all the things affecting me. Now, some of you today might say, Ronnie, it's been a while since I've allowed Jesus to lead my actions. And some of you may may say, I've never done that. I've never invited Jesus into my heart. I want to say that today, you can leave with a surety that Jesus is leading your life and that He is your Savior and that all the promises of God are yes and amen for you. So I'd like you to very quietly bow your heads and close your eyes and I want to give everybody an opportunity right now to say a prayer to accept Jesus into their lives. You know, if you feel distant from God, it's because sin has caused that separation. But because Jesus died on the cross in our place, our sins can be forgiven. Our sins are forgiven through his sacrifice. And all we need to do is pray one prayer to close that gap and come near to him. I'll lead you in the prayer. Just say the words after me in your heart or whisper them out loud. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Please forgive my sin. Come into my heart. And give me the strength and courage to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.